Welcome to the Mega Vision Show, episode 103. My name is Chris Powell, and I'm the editor of Mega Visions. We finally recovered from PAX East, and myself, Scott and Antichrist, recorded a quick podcast to discuss all the games we played and the awesome developers we met along the way. We've published over 12 developer interviews on games like TMNT Shredder's Revenge, Trek to Yomi, Demon Throttle, WrestleQuest, and more over on our YouTube channel, and you can watch them all at www.youtube.com slash megavisionsmag. We met a lot of great people and made some new connections that we're excited to pursue for future stories as these games continue to be developed. We also received a lot of positive feedback on Mega Visions Issue 2, which is now on sale at the Mega Shop at www.megavisions.net slash shop. In addition to scooping up Issue 2, we've also recently added a Mega Visions coffee mug, which looks absolutely great. I can personally guarantee it'll make your beverage taste better than ever. So be sure to go to www.megavisions.net slash shop to buy the latest issue of Mega Visions. In addition to that, don't forget to join our Patreon at patreon.com slash megavisions. Once you become a patron, every issue will ship right to your door, and each issue of Mega Visions contains 64 pages of Neo Retro coverage spanning every console generation and features a new original cover by Sketchcraft. So remember, go to www.patreon.com megavisions to secure your next issue of Mega Visions magazine today. All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's jump into the episode. Welcome to the Megavision Show. We have survived PAX East, or at least we think we have, and we're here to tell you all about it. My host this week is Scotty Moe and Auntie Chris, who joined me in covering PAX this year. Welcome, guys. How are we feeling after PAX? Have you guys fully recovered yet? I have not. <laughs> I don't know. I not. Yeah, I still haven't unpacked. That'll happen maybe today. Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> That's still, hilarious. Yesterday, I think I slept all day. Today, I'm probably going to sleep a little bit more and then try to get some shit done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is going to be kind of our post-PAX podcast. It's all going to be kind of what we did and, and what we saw and all that sort of stuff. But on today's show, we're going to just keep things pretty loose. We're going to talk about the games we played, the people we interviewed, and just our overall experiences. So I think it's probably best just to start off with day one. And talk about that. So I'll throw it over to you guys. Uh, Antichrist, this is your first show, day one of PAX. What did you kind of come in and, and expect? And what were, what were you kind of surprised about on day one? So historically, my biggest con or my biggest show that I usually go to is MAGFest here in, in D.C. And I knew that it, PAX was supposed to be bigger than it. I just was not expecting it to be that much bigger. Um, it, the, the show is just massive and everyone saying that, oh, it's small because of COVID. Um, I, I could not, I could not relate or understand how much bigger it could possibly be. Um, it was, it was impressive. It was, it was the first show that I went to where it was just like actual industry AAA leaders, uh, were showing up like Intel was there too. Um, you know, I, I was impressed. I was, I was definitely impressed by, what packs had to offer um yeah that's that's the best that i can come with it it definitely is a far cry from the i guess you could say the community centric uh vibe of magfest where there is definitely more of like a industry standard at packs 
Yeah, completely different show, completely different vibe, uh, for sure. Uh, Scotty, I know you're a PAX veteran, so you've been to many of these shows over the years, but it's been your first show in a few years now, right? So mm-hmm. what uh, what did you kind of come in and expect? What were you surprised about on day one? I mean, I knew it is the biggest show I've been to, and I was at the first PAX East where they weren't really sure what they were doing yet, not having been to PAX West. I have been to a PAX West, which is quite literally three times the size of East. Um and uh, back when it was known as PAX Prime. But, you know, previously, though, the the PAX East, there was like Capcom, Ubisoft, Nintendo, uh, Sony, Microsoft's there. And those are the big like it looks it rivaled the floor of E3. And um, but which was great. And, you know, pros and cons to that, because people were in line for hours to play the new Assassin's Creed that's out in like two weeks, which makes no sense. But then that would take away from all the amazing indie games, whereas this year, very indie centric, which I think only helps the event. And I'd be fine if it goes like more indie um, than than AAA, because I feel like there's other conventions for that still for the AAA, the big busters and everything. But it was very cool for like Devolver Digital to be one of the bigger booths or um, uh, Tiny Build was massive. And I still didn't know what they were. I didn't know that name. But, you know, once we were in there uh hitting some punching bags and stuff i knew what they were all about um and i just want to say that wild bill's craft beer is delicious craft um (laughs) beverages sorry is delicious and boy does this cup feel great in my hand nothing feels more comfortable down your throat than wild bills you know they didn't pay us (laughs) but this was free for media baby (laughs) mine's still packed away yeah that's hilarious. But yeah, um, it was a little weird. Uh, I think that's the, the biggest thing everyone was kind of talking about was um, the uh, the there were two things, I guess. The lack of people. That was one thing that people were talking about on, on you know, packs like social medias, things like that. And then also you mean just like the, by that, you mean vendors, because there were still plenty of people there. Well, it was both, actually. It was the amount of and that was the second part was going to be the amount of vendors. But people were saying there just weren't that many people showing up to packs compared to years past. Um, so that was a, th- a thing that I was kind of just watching in some of the PAX Facebook groups that I was talking or, or, or had been following. Uh, and that the second part was that there weren't uh, as many vendors uh, or, or um, you know, developers, kind of what you uh, hit on, Scotty. But I do think it's important to note that there are and were a ton of indie uh, publishers and developers there that I think show how strong the indie scene is and how important and vital it also is to the gaming industry because without them there who would have been really there to to represent you know um Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been a lot a lot of uh the you know middle and bigger publishers for sure so but overall i had a i was so excited coming into pax because i've been looking forward it i've been waiting for kind of the industry to get going again you know with with covid and everything it's just i think two that was it two thousand. 18 or 19 was the last one we had. Well, 2020 was the last PAX East. And then a month later, it was turned into a pop-up hospital, essentially like recovery. That's right. 2020. I mean, the, the, the years just um, Mm kind of go by, but I was, I was there at the last one Mm -hmm. and it was, it was, it was quite a bit different, of course. Um, And then we obviously had to wear the masks, which, were kind of a pain in the butt for us to conduct interviews because we were doing video interviews uh, throughout the show. Um, but we we may do. And overall, I think it was a, it was a pretty good show. I, I, I definitely had fun um, with myself. 
Um, but on day one, we had, I mean, that day one, I think we got there on Thursday, hit the ground running. We had like five or six interviews the very first day. And we started out over at Apogee. And that was a fun, we have some fun stories to talk about that. So uh, I think, Scotty, you were, you handled the lead on some of the Apogee stuff there. So kind of talk to us about, about, uh, about that. Yeah, whether I wanted to or not at, at some <laughs> point. Because uh, um, we, we went in thinking uh, Turbo Overkill looks like a cool game. Let's talk to them about that. So they also to preface this um, and to echo what Antichrist was saying about the level of proficiency, like there is a there is a designated PR company handling all the booths, whether they were wrangling people for interviews or just asking like, or just like keeping the lines going for demos or stuff like that. There was like designated people doing that. So the devs could actually focus on talking about their games, you know? Um, so we get to Apogee and a very nice PR lady like directs us into their back room where there's just a, a, a monitor, mouse and keyboard and like some business cards. And so I think pal, you, you, you said like, so I think we're going to be interviewing about turbo overkill or did they want to talk about all their games? And she's like, Oh yeah, all their games. They're going to talk about all their games. I'm like, Oh, I know about one of them. Cool. Let me play all four of these games in like five minutes, please. And, but I, the reason I lead up to this is I'm just going like down the icons on the desktop and playing through this stuff. And, um, and there's one on there that's like trailer for unreleased or something. I click on it, start to watch. It, I'm like, screw this. I'll just play the game. And it's this cool little platformer with this, uh, fun little guy you're running around. Like it looked like a robot in an aviator jacket, which I really dug the aesthetic of. And then the first dev comes in and introduces himself and sees what we're doing and meanwhile, you know, we had our we are between the three of us. Uh, there was one person demoing that was going to be the interviewer, second person on camera and third person snapping shots left and right. So pal snapping shots left and right of me playing this game we didn't even know about. And the dev comes in and he's like, so uh, this hasn't been released yet. We weren't sure if we were going to discuss it with anyone or talk about it with anybody. And we're just like, uh, do you want to do an interview? <laughs> and so it's like, so this was this dev's first game. Uh, Eric, I forget his last name. I apologize. Manahan. Eric Manahan. Manahan. And He's from uh, the Matt Black studio. Yeah. And so he uh, made the game or is making the game Lucid. And this is his first game. And the first time he's done an interview for it making me the first person to ever play it so him and i had a special kind of anxiety immediately <laughs> first day of packs so um yeah because it just didn't we just didn't expect any of this to happen we we i thought like the three of us thought we were just going through the motions let's play these games let's interview them but i think that turned out really well um you can tell there's a little bit of stiffness to it being the very first interview of the weekend but uh that that ended really that turned into one of my favorite moments of the show because we, you know, most of our interactions were, oh, we do this. And instead of handing a business card, we hand them a magazine and, they, and they're just like, holy crap, this is an actual magazine. I'm holding a real magazine. And he kind of he had that reaction. And then uh, we got an issue to him uh, the next day because we were a lot of things were kind of scrambling the first day, but not not a. uh not in an insane sense, just in a nonstop manner to the point that we're like, we'll come back. We'll give you an issue. We did. And then the last day I was just like trying to get pictures of people holding the magazine. And I like felt someone shove me, not in a like mean manner, but just like, what the hell you want? And um, and it was him. And he's like, hey, uh, like he was genuinely 
happy to see me again. Like if we were to run into each other on the floor after being separated or something, I was like, oh, do you see we threw the video up? We got all this stuff. I was like, yeah, and I love the magazine. And he was just like genuinely happy to see me. I was like, well, I hope you had a good weekend and stuff like that. So that was cool because it went from incredibly tense awkwardness to someone being excited to see us on the floor again, you know, like genuine joy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so. that was funny because uh, the the PR person came in and they, they were like, because they saw us recording. They're like, "You can't, please don't use that footage. Like, we can't. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We're please not, stop. We're not, please stop. Yeah, because the game, <laughs> I, from what he was saying is he just, he quickly put that together like the night before. And it was literally just kind of like a vertical slice of the game. Like, just showing right. kind of like different sections and stuff. So it was by no means like a level in a sense of like, a, you know, your standard video game. So... Um, I could understand that. And so once they told us, I was like, absolutely. I, you know, we're not trying to, you know, ruffle feathers try, or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was all fun. So we actually they were cool with me taking some photos from behind the screen. So if you look at the YouTube thumbnail uh, on that video, uh, it's actually that's the video or the, the, the one of the photos I took afterwards. Uh, and it was just kind of funny. So we were making some jokes that like Scotty almost got us kicked out of packs. Like the, the like our, our first <laughs> it felt like there. that. It couldn't have. It could. I mean, it could have gone way worse. But it couldn't have been a. I was already not comfortable being the first interview, despite the fact that I do YouTube nonsense and podcasts and things all the time. But it was also like we hadn't found our groove, even though we had an order of questions and everything. But I think if it, if it had been a game we were supposed to review or um demo and stuff it would have been all right but it was the that extra like split second edition of you shouldn't have seen this game what are you doing you know <laughs> like that just added to the yeah intensity. and i think some of that um some of that is just also i think everyone was a little weird just getting oh, back yeah. to the, the you know like this is the it's been a while since the industry's been going again so it's just i think there was a little bit of that going um and everything else but and just that, first day that, jitters and stuff and for that one in particular, I want to say when we made the appointment, it was a little weird because uh, it wasn't one of those where I think you get to select like the specific game you're going to play. It was just one of those like, here are our games that we're going to kind of show you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we didn't really kind of know what to expect going into that one. But yeah, um, but Apogee, I, I was really impressed with their kind of overall showing. I mean, because we did play, um, you know, outside of uh, it was, you know, obviously Lucid was the game. That uh, that we played, but there was Turbo Overkill uh, as well. Do you guys want to talk about that? Because we played that there at that booth as well, right? We mm -hmm. did. Yeah, Anti, you go ahead. I've talked enough. Yeah, so Turbo Overkill is a like a fast-paced Duke Nukem style boomer shooter uh, where you play like the cybernetic uh, assassin, and you, I, I believe that like you're going into like go after certain targets. Um, I never finished a level, so I can't I can't exactly uh uh comment on that. Um but it, it is it is if you liked games like Ion Fury or Parodius or anything along those lines, uh you're definitely going to like Turbo Overkill. It's a very, very, very much so a more polished version of those games. It's very, very smooth. Um almost to the point where it's just like it's it's low polygon um it's low polygonal art style is more of an aesthetic outside of like this is you know it could have very easily been like a very uh fleshed out and 
um high res game which honestly it's like a low poly high res game in and of itself anyway right um, yeah i i think though that the um that low poly aesthetic mix with the cyberpunk like fits so well and it, it looks great especially with like all the neon kind of colors and stuff that it, it mm-hmm. integrates into it it looks fantastic in motion yeah, yeah and I, it did I, also I re- you said it like move at first when i played it i thought it was moving too fast because i do need to like normally tone down my uh my axes with the mouse but i think it was kind of a good middle ground with how quick you were having to turn and crap mm-hmm. i i i thought that the, the coolest element to that game is the uh the chainsaw foot or the chainsaw shoe it's like a mix between a a, a minor boost and okay. an attack um and you just I, I want to say that every single time you use the uh, the chainsaw uh, attack, you're also gaining back health. So there's like a really big incentive for you to just go in and just mow them down, get them in a group, get them in a line and just like melee attack because that, that's all you have. Like, I don't think you have a traditional melee. It's just foot attack. Uh, and then, you know, trying to hit them from afar. Um, I believe there was only like three weapons available in the demo. You had like your shotgun equivalent, your machine gun, and your pistols. Um, and it, it's it's really cool because it's like you have like these two M16 variants uh, machine guns. And you're holding them sideways and you're firing off like rapid fire. Um, it's just a very stylish game, a very stylish cyberpunk game. It's cool. I think uh, we were talking to the developer, and it may have been when Scotty was uh, was interview I, I believe sam preble was was the person we interviewed but he was talking about how he kind of came up with the concept and i guess he was talking about how he liked vanquish and the sliding mechanic in that but so he mm-hmm. had to figure out like okay I, I want sliding in there but i have to figure out like how he can attack so he's like it's a robot i'll just put a chainsaw on his knee <laughs> and i was like that's awesome i'm in yep. let's do this yep. hell yeah so i love that that's great mm-hmm um, so I think that those were really the two big games we played at, um, at Apogee's booth. And then from there, we went over, uh, across the hall a bit over to Easebird, uh, games, which I gotta say, uh, I wasn't really familiar with, or I haven't been with Easebird games, um, before. So, uh, Anta, Chris, over back to you. I, I think you played most of those games. I think we started out with, um, we played what world of horror and no place for bravery over there, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I'm familiar with Eastbird mainly because of World of Horror. They've done other things like uh, Cyberpunk Bartender Action Valhalla. They had a spinoff called Cyberpunk Bartender Action Nirvana. Um, they've also done uh, Y2K, a postmodern RPG. Um, but World of Horror, I think, is like... Uh, I wouldn't say it's like their biggest game that they've come out with because Valhalla is also like universally known in the yeah. scene. Um, but World of Horror is like this really creepy take on tabletop RPG. It's it's like the Western version of, or I shouldn't say the Western, it's the Eastern version of Call of Cthulhu tabletop games um, where everything is very like Junji Ito, uh, Asian horror. Uh, it's... It's everything works out like it's an investigation when you when you play, much like any of the other uh, tabletop games. And there are uh, combat scenarios where it's instead of it's actually like, oh, I'm going to attack this person, I'm going to shoot them with a with a shotgun or something like that. Uh, you have you can deal spiritual damage to certain enemies if that's how they are affected by it. And it's 
a lot of like clapping and bowing and trying to do these ritual motions in order to take out the enemy. And a lot of times you go into it not knowing how to confront this enemy. So you have to kind of like experiment with your with your motions. And the game will let you know. It's like, hey, you've got three out of the five motions correct. Good luck trying to figure out the the rest of it. So um the 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 new patch that's coming out, I believe they're going to 1.0 because the game has been in early access for a while. Later is on that what year, is that what they were showing at the uh, at, yeah. at the sh- at, at packs? Okay. So there's two new instances that they've created. The one that I play was more of the psychological horror element of uh of World of Horror, um, and it is very much a like a a narrative on COVID where instead of like i'm used to like playing world of horror and like going to different places and exploring it. and this one is just like why can't i leave my house and it didn't click <laughs> with me at first where it's just like oh, yeah. is the game broken am i not able to do anything no you have to explore your your house to kind of figure out what entity is is haunting you um and there there are some creepy elements to that like you're you're looking out to your your mailbox door and you can see the silhouette of uh of somebody just standing there watching you uh, going through your closet, seeing beyond like the 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 walls, and seeing some, like eyes watching you. It's it's very very well done. Um, so fans of World of Horror should definitely be excited to see this new patch and finally see it go to one point uh, I did not get a chance to play the the more traditional uh, version of the game, but it's still I I I can't wait for the the official release to come out. I'm definitely going to reboot that up. Yeah, the um, I guess they they call it a kind of a one bit horror game in in that the the graphics are super simple, just kind of yeah, black and white. Uh, but it's spooky looking, so it it's very un- unsettling. I guess is a, is a good kind of term for it. Um, the art design is is very well done. Like I said, it it feels like everything is based out of like some sort of Junji Ito manga. Yeah. Uh, absolutely uh the other one was it was it no place for bravery that that we also checked out there so we checked that out later on in the day but yes so no place for bravery it looks like it was made out of like the game maker engine uh because it's very similar to games like uh ministry of broadcast or um katana zero uh hyperlight drifter it's it's the same uh build um but it is I don't want to go out and necessarily say that it is a Souls-like, but it feels very much so like a Souls-like top-down action RPG. The premise is, is that you have you and your daughter are out hunting in the field, and you're planning on going back to the village, and then some major catastrophe takes place where you are the only one left, and you have to go find out where your family is. And it it is got like skeletons and ghouls and uh like giant trolls and all the things that you would normally expect to see from games like this but the thing is is that this game is so well done and well crafted um like i played it on the hardest difficulty and usually when it comes to to games like this i don't uh typically do super well i kind of like have to learn the game this game just feels 100 intuitive like like if you're used to playing games like this it should be like really easy for you to ease in and just have a good understanding of how the game and, and its mechanics work. It's very well done. On that, um, and I think looking out, did we Shredder's Revenge? We went over to Dot Emu at the end of the day, day one, right? 
close to the end of the day. I think the last interview or the last game that we played was over at Devolver Digital. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk uh, Shredder's Revenge because, I mean, that was, for me at least, I've said it a couple times now, but that was the big game for me. I know, Scotty, you were also looking forward to it. Um, man, we, we both got to play it uh, along with... Um, Frederic, uh, who is uh, working on game design for the, for the game, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, what were what were your overall impressions, Scotty, uh, of Shredder's Revenge? Uh, it felt just how you're expecting it to feel, which is good, which is just natural. Uh, the game had a good flow. It's a Turtles game, so it feels like a Turtles game, which I can imagine. Uh, if 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 the Sonic series has taught us anything, it's hard to replicate the feel of an old school game, and they did that pretty well with this, making us feel like we were in the arcade. Um, actually, you tried out Splinter. I went with Mikey, of course, at first, and then I did try out April, which did feel a little bit different. So it's um, kind of amazing that they can even create that feeling between uh, brawling characters in that some would argue are palette swaps. But um, yeah, it's just there's so many Easter eggs. There's going to be day one of the release of this game. There's going to be like 35 Easter eggs. I bet you didn't see, you know, whatever on on YouTube and crap. So because like I won't give away too much, but there was when you enter the news studio at the beginning, like break open the front doors and just a panicked crowd is running by. Um, I still cannot remember April's boss's name, um, but because Vernon is the the wormy guy that she works with, and can't Mister Thompson or something doesn't matter. April's boss, he has like a mistress or some some like blonde lady that's in a couple episodes here away here or there, just a throwaway character. But she's like one of the characters running away in the crowd. I'm like, was that so and so? And the dev talking to like I, I completely interrupt you asking him questions because I was like, <laughs> holy crap, was that? Whoever that was, he's like, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff in there like that. I'm like, that is insane to me. So um, just looks great, feels great. Uh, I'm really excited to see more of uh, in terms of characters. But I mean, like that, that was this says a lot about PAX that that was initially looking at our schedule and looking at the lineup and who's announced. That was, to be completely honest, the only thing I gave a crap about going into PAX was this Turtles game. But in like my top five experiences of this past weekend, Turtles isn't even in there because there were so many other cool things that we saw and people we interacted with. So, but not to take away from it, but yes, I'm still very excited for Turtles. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember uh, speaking of of like some of the secret characters. I mean, we, we that was something that we we were kind of talked about over the weekend, like who could they add, you know, to the game and and, and stuff like that. And I remember at the last at the last PAX. Uh, I was uh, interviewing uh, one of the uh, one of the guys for Streets of Rage uh, Four, and I I brought up that that idea of them introducing new or secret characters, and uh, he was like, "No, we're not we're not going to do that. We're too far along. We don't have any time. It's just not in our plans." And I was like, "Okay." It was like a week later, they and they then announced that they were going to have these new uh, secret characters. So um, I knew that even if we asked him, no matter what he said, he wasn't going to probably tell us. Uh, right. the truth there so um who knows like he did he did not say um he didn't give us any any um kind of um hints at what that might be um uh, but i'm i'm genuinely curious i have my fingers crossed that we're casey jones in there he's he he's has definitely to was be my favorite he has to be in there because like it i think this is the first game where you could play a splinter which is crazy to me um but the fact that april is so less of a fighter than casey jones so casey has to be in there so but we'll see 
Um, but what I was going to say, one of the other aspects about Schroeder's Revenge that I'm personally excited about is, is the fact that T. Lopes is attached to it to do the, the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. We also interviewed him, uh, I think, the day uh, after the, uh, the following day. Uh, I, I was talking to him. I, I'm even more kind of excited about it, just hearing how big of a fan he is of the Turtles uh, series, dating back to the animated stuff you know, that it's based on in the 90s uh and so i i think that's a, a perfect get at least uh to have t uh do the uh the tunes for that and i think we heard a little bit of of one of the uh the songs in that latest trailer uh that they um they released um a day before pax or so so be sure to check that out um it was hard to hear anything uh on the show floor yeah. um especially as we were talking so it's hard to kind of hear that um, but it was fun. Also, we, we got a chance to actually play the game with T Lopes for a little bit as well. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. I know, um, he, uh, he probably wasn't feeling the best that day. So it was uh, fun to, uh, to get some time with him. He powered through. I think at, he did. And I think after he was done with us, he actually had to do an interview with a G four, uh, which I was, uh, I was like, well, hopefully, uh, we got you warmed up for, for the, the big interview of the day. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, I guess what uh, the last uh, the last game of the day, was it Cult of the Lamb that we played on day one? Uh, Cult of the Lamb was like the last big one on uh, day one. So Let's Devolver Digital that. was really pushing uh, Cult of the Lamb. In fact, that was what their entire booth was modeled after. It was like this giant satanic temple. It looked um, awesome. It was it was probably the within the top three best looking booths at PAX. I just love that they had a couch for us to sit in when you demoed it. I wasn't playing the game at all, but I was like, oh, media time, couch, Chris, play the game. I'm going to take a nap. (laughs) The booth is super cool. Like there's these, uh, on each side, they've got three stand-up cabs for each of the games that they're demoing. And then on like this giant screen is Cult of the Lamb. And apparently like the, the wait times to play at Cult of the Lamb was really, really long. Um, but the the game itself is almost right up my alley. Um, you know, I, I'm I like the dark edgy boy things and the, <laughs> the entire premise is like you're this little lamb and the four elder gods are like we need to get rid of this lamb to prevent like the the big god to show up or the new god to show up and so they execute the lamb but like right as they executed him he's like transported into the domain of this new eldric god and he's just like yeah you're gonna be my cult leader and you're gonna go uh you know recruit some followers and we're gonna we're gonna kill the old gods and so he gives him all these these new powers but it's like it's one part the binding of Isaac, one part Don't Starve Valley, maybe. Don't starve. Yeah, don't starve. Cause it's like you have to go and uh you know find it's almost like these I don't know if it's like a rogue like it definitely feels like a rogue like, but you go in and you have to kill these enemies, find followers, find resources, kill the gods, bring them back to your you know, um, I don't know what the word is when the, the commune, yeah, uh, bring them back to the commune, and then it's like you tell them what to do, but then you got to feed them, 
and then they poop everywhere. So you got to clean up after the poop. Yes, they do. And if you don't do that, you get they get sick and then they die. But mm-hmm. the thing is, it's like in order for you to progress through certain parts of the story, uh, you need a certain number of cultists. So it's like it's it's a balance between let me go be a dungeon adventurer, and then it's like okay, this is this is daddy daycare, but for Satan. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it was it was definitely an interesting game. Um, is this something that I'm going to be uh, interested in the long term? I don't know because I don't particularly care for the Binding of Isaac. And it kind of falls into the same area where it's like the source material is right up my alley. But the execution of the game just does not reach out to me. It doesn't appeal to me. It's definitely better than having a twin stick shooter like the Binding of Isaac. So mm-hmm. since this is a little bit more hack and slash, I'd probably, I'd probably be more interested in the long term. So we'll see. I think the uh, just the cutesy aesthetic is is going to get a lot of people. I, oh yeah, oh yeah. I think this oh, yeah. is it's it's going to be all over Twitch for sure. Yeah, this will probably be a, probably a, a series. I I hope at least will continue um, for uh, for for Devolver there because it definitely looked interesting. Um, and you're right, it's not it's not necessarily a game because I I played Don't Starve a little bit and it really wasn't for me. But I saw my kids play it and they they really liked it uh, and they played it quite a bit. In addition, I think they even came out with like a some sort of expanded version on Don't Game Pass with your friends or together yeah. or something. And they, they played the hell out of that too. So I think that this is something that they'll, they'll like. And my daughter loves this sort of like dark, creepy stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, I actually gave her a couple of the, um, the, uh, the Cult of the Lamb stuff I brought back and she really liked it. So I think she's going to enjoy it. And for, for anything that I think really for um, to, to get young kids playing and, and excited for like that, that's not, Fucking Fortnite. I'm I'm all about it. <laughs> so so let's do yeah. it. Um but yeah, uh Cult of the Lamb, that definitely is one to look out for for sure. I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna check more of that out. Um so that was day one uh of, of PAX there. I mean that man, I was I was pooped <laughs> that first day. We were so busy. Yeah. Um, That's that was a lot of like the big stuff. There's there was a few smaller things or things that we didn't like cover in depth. Um but yeah, that was that was a busy day. Mm-hmm. And then um, we we went out later, and we had uh, we had Applebee's for this. That was actually the second wow. night in a row we had Applebee's. <laughs> first um, for me, <laughs> it was first. But uh, yeah, I, I will say uh, the second night Applebee's was probably a mistake. We probably should have cut our. I guess you know, like taking we, in the local color. Yeah, it was it was close to us. So we were tired and we were like, you know what? Let's just find the first close place to us. We found Applebee's, which Mm -hmm. I'm mad that we did, because if we had just looked looked behind the restaurant, we could have seen like this entire like Soho Boston area that like a bunch of different restaurants there. Yeah, we found that after a couple of days. There was this really good ramen place. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But so for day day one of PAX, we officially we did we did um, Applebee's. So um, that was Thursday, uh, Friday morning. Uh, oh, Friday morning we did a, the the Lopes interview. So that was that was cool. But we did start out. Uh, we had some fun in the uh, the green the not the green room the uh, the media room was pretty cool. Uh, I guess we could talk about that for a minute. Um, it was nice because they had Wi-Fi out there. They had some water, uh, conta- like the uh, little water jugs you could get, which was great because if you brought a container of water, there really wasn't a good place to go and fill it up. 
that you could get water that's not a water fountain. And I was gonna, I was almost gonna do that at one point, and then I saw this just person go up there and just put get their mouth like all over it. And I'm like, you know what? I'm good. Yeah, I'll just the water go buy coolers are eight dollar bottle of water. The media room and then every console and tourney room, which is not the main floor. So you gotta you gotta trek a little bit to find the water coolers, but they are there. Yes, thank thank you, Media Room, for the basic human necessities. Uh huh. That was nice. Well, what I was gonna say, it was cool because uh, I think it was Friday, but G Four ended up showing up, and a lot of their folks came in and were hanging out the G uh, in the uh, in the media room. So that was kind of neat, uh, just to see not only you know packs back, but also some at least decently big. A gaming media uh, be there, and so that was really cool. I was excited to see them, um, see them there. So shout out to G Four um, for that. I also made sure to throw out our, our issues out all over the media room, so uh, hopefully people pick those up. Who knows? I, I didn't see any of them left out by the time that we left. So the the two times that you did, I know that I saw that. Uh, I think her name is Emily Rose. Uh, picked one up. Um, and, you know, like there was there was like another like five issues that were left out that I'm pretty sure it got picked up from everyone else as well. So, yeah, good. Hopefully. Or they just kind of threw them out after they left. Like, who are these dumbasses? Yeah, like, like, yeah. We'll throw this out. Okay. Fake hundred dollar um, bills in this crappy magazine. Screw packs. <laughs> the what, what was he dressed up as? Like a circus conductor? Circus. Yeah. The ringleader. And people hundred dollar bills. And what it all what it actually was was like, oh, you have uh $100 in monopoly money for like some esports circus money uh, or something event which i guess i guess it's cool if you're actually involved or going to those events but thank you for the for the fake benjamin man it's fine mm-hmm. i think we ended up basically hanging out at uh at devolver digital again for for that morning right uh cuz i think after that we went over to play mcpixel 3 and trek to yomi yes which I think I guess Big Pixel Three was uh, was the one I ended up playing, and that was a lot of fun. I I will say its developer, his name's Sauce Sauskowski, or I think I I, I got that right. Uh, but he just goes by Sauce S O S, and he's probably the coolest, most funny person I met at PAX. I instantly was like, you, I would love to just hang out with because especially playing in the game, it was completely wacky. So. The premise is, if you aren't familiar with McPixel uh, 3, uh, the idea is it's a parody of MacGruber, who is a parody of MacGyver, uh, the TV show. And the idea is it's kind of like it's the save the day misadventure where it's it's basically uh, very like very basic pixel graphics. But you're set in a, in a stage, a mini game, and you have to f- find out what you got to do and try to f- make a decision to save the day but what happens is it's just full of like hilarious misadventures like i said you think you're going to do something like put a fish in a uh you know like an aquarium or like a glass of water but instead you'll put the glass of water like on your head or just do something completely stupid and so it's just really zany and off the wall uh and i i had a blast with it and then talking with sauce he was he was a blast as well it made me just want to play the game even more it was just one of those fun games so if you're familiar and you enjoy the WarioWare type games. He also said it's kind of if you mix like WarioWare with maybe like Monkey Island. 
that's kind of what yeah, you that uh, makes sense because what, what would come out of this is big pixel three yeah it what looks did like you guys think of it click at first. no it it looks like a point and click at first i would say this was one of the i hate to i hate to use the phrase but hidden gems including sauce himself was a hidden gem of packs um but yeah it looks like a point and click but it acts like wario where with action movie tropes and stuff like and uh, almost a darkwing duck vibe of like dude my car's on fire what have you done no need to thank me citizen and he runs off to the next scene kind of deal you know so i loved it yeah i know that was that was a lot of fun um and that one also has a free demo on steam uh mm-hmm. so be sure to go check that out. I was downloading that uh, yesterday to show my kids because I was like, you've got to uh, check this out. In addition, it had so he they had some pretty cool uh, like those little slap bracelets slap they used bracelets, to have yep. mm-hmm. that were a uh, band because they, they shit were out of me. responsible yeah. of like the the death at least of like 15 kids back in the 90s. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they were just slap a metal a metal band covered in cloth. Yeah. <laughs> But thankfully, this one was covered in rubber, so it's 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 fine. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, but no, that was great. Uh, I, I had a blast with the sauce, like I said. So be sure to check out McPixel three. The other game uh, we played, uh, Antichrist, you played Trek to Yomi. I know this I is did. one of your games of show, I believe. Yeah. And and this was Trek to Yomi. Um, I was honestly like looking forward to it. I've been seeing it on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, it's supposed to come out early in may i want to say it comes out maybe a week um but it's got that kurosawa um film aesthetic where everything is in black and white so if you if you love stuff like uh you know seven samurai uh yojimbo stuff like that um you know it's it's going for that sort of narrative um you know you could say that's the side-scrolling version of ghost of tsushima and i think that like narrative wise the game presents itself really really well um however its gameplay is so stiff it is Uh really really stiff it doesn't tell you what it is that you're supposed to do um and it just it could just be the demo you know and the the full release could be completely different but it it is essentially rock paper scissors the game where it's like you have to you have a split second to either do a, a light attack a heavy attack a parry um and I think there's a, also a dodge function, which does not dodge. It's it's mm-hmm. like you it, let me roll away in a low profile. Oh, I still got hit. Um, so it just the game essentially just came down to I'm gonna let you run up on me. I'm gonna parry your attack, and then I'm gonna hit you a few times, and we're just gonna do this rinse and repeat over and over again. I probably was standing there for about ten minutes. The first five minutes were incredibly frustrating. There is a dedicated turnaround button, so that's cool. Um, you have to level up to block attacks from behind you. That was interesting. Um, it's it just did not feel very intuitive. Um, and if you're yeah. going for like game is hard type type approach to it, I mean, yeah, but it's like. It's not hard because of the sake of like trying to test your skill. It's hard just by I'm trying to overcome this controller scheme that you've got and it's not allowing me to enjoy the game, which if you were to fix the controls, that game would have been great. Like, cause it's exactly what I want. I love stuff like this. It, it, it's got the, the arty aesthetic that keeps like the weird kid in me happy and it's got the the hack and slash element it, it's just super cool and and moody 
Um, but no, <laughs> I'm, I'm really disappointed in it, to be honest. Yeah. And like these, these are the same guys who have been working on like the Shadow Warrior series and Evil West. And both of those games are really, really good. I don't know what the deal is with Trek to Yomi. So hmm. we'll, we'll see when it comes out on Game Pass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else uh, happening on Friday that you guys want to talk about? There was a lot of like... There was Devolver a lot of like also had the best stuff. carpet. I'll just mention that real quick. They had it, like an old school that. arcade carpeting on the bottom of their floor. Uh, they, they did. They did have that. <laughs> I, I would say that the two big things I think that we came across was one humble games booth area. Uh, they were showing off, I want to say, like six or seven games on their own. Uh, and the two games that really, or the three games that really stuck out to me, two of them are coming up. One of them is already out. You had Unsighted, which was a, a, another top-down, I don't want to say like Souls-like, but it's it's like a top-down hack-and-slash futuristic cybernetic uh, type deal that I thought was really interesting. But most importantly, um, Signalis, which is a mix between Metal Gear Solid and Dino Crisis, um, where like you're on this this unknown planet snowy planet you've got these shadow entities going around and like haunting the ship and whatever um but it, it's it's very much like a stealth stealthy psychological horror game and that arguably was like my favorite game that i saw at pax i really wish that you know the developer was there that i can talk to them but none of the developers were there for humble games um but that game I got stuck in that one. Did you figure out the uh, like temperature based fuse puzzle? Because I couldn't yes, figure that there out. There is a note that gives you the answer for three of them, and then you oh. just gotta you just gotta plug in the last one. I was going and, with uh, the number seven hundred, and it wasn't adding. It wasn't doing so anything. So I was like, "All right." That was I me. I guess it because like the the way that that puzzle goes is that there's five centrifuges that you have to control the temperature for, and you have to also manage the power output. So you're managing the temperature and the power output, and there is two sweet spots that they have to like sit into. So if you didn't have the numbers like I did, you kind of just have to say, "Okay, everything is off," and I'm going to slowly turn things on to see where they sit. And then it's like calculating where where everything is supposed to be in. It's it's not an easy puzzle. It, it, it that's definitely a, a difficult puzzle. Yeah. Um, but no, it it feels very much like like those Resident Evil Dino Crisis games with a mix early of, ones. Yeah, the early ones, like one, two, and three, hmm. uh, mixed in with like some some Metal Gear Solid. So I'm excited for that game. It looks really really good. Same. Uh, the second. The second game that I got into was Moonscars. Moonscars, I think, Powell, you started playing this first. Um, it yeah. is a medieval, like a dark fantasy medieval Metroidvania hack and slash. Um, there, there, I didn't get a chance to like really dive into it, but the just the gameplay itself was very smooth and satisfying. Uh, the weight of your weapons, like your attacks, were just like. Like you felt the weight behind that. Um, what was that one game? I it, it, it almost was like was it Bloodborne on the 32x or whatever? When you had kind of that digitized character that ran around, it, it, it felt a lot. It it, it it reminded me of that. Um, kind of the, in the way it it played mm -hmm. and stuff. And I I really enjoyed it. It it, it looked very kind of moody and uh yeah. It, it felt and kind of looked 
old school and i i i definitely uh, was digging it for sure yeah those those two games for um for humble games really really stuck out to me um i would say besides that we also were checking out some of the stuff at the pax rising uh demo area uh where a lot of the unsigned indie talent were were showing up and you know scotty and i played uh plunder panic yeah and power cord uh i played a i guess you could say it's it's similar to like uh puzzle quest but puzzle quest meets um meets slay the spire um which puzzle quest is already kind of like a difficult game for me because i'm colorblind and the entire way that this game operates is like you have your 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 champion you've got a set of cards and then you have resources on the side here where you can do different things. But your resources is based off you could either play a card or you can take an action on the puzzle quest board. And you have to link instead of like matching uh, like colors together in like certain like blocks or segments, uh, you have to link all of the blocks together, all like blocks together. So um, if you have a line, no matter like how the line is, is shaped, if it's a line that goes around the entire board, um, and you can link them all together. It you can do an attack, and it, your attack is based on how many of those icons that you boosted. So the entire game is all about like playing these cards that manipulates the, the board and gets all these icons to link up together, so you can do like big massive attacks. Um, it's okay. <laughs> I like yeah, the Inspire still. I, yeah. I just, it's like I like those games individually. Like I love Puzzle Quest. And I really like Slay the Spire. Putting them together, the game hasn't sold me on it yet. So it needs more time. It needs more time to cook. Yeah, and that's one of the interesting things is like what happens when you combine these two mechanics? Do they they work? And maybe it, it, it also sometimes is a thing that's like it doesn't mean that maybe because this game isn't there yet that it it can't get you know to where it needs to be mm-hmm. before it's released you know so maybe it just needs like a little bit more work but yeah that game was certainly uh certainly had potential uh scotty did you want to talk about plunder panic at all uh it's great if you enjoy killer queen um it's that but a little more simplified so it might be a little uh easier have a little easier entry for people that aren't a fan of joust or something um, but it is a six V six. And if they, I mean, they, 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 we did an impromptu interview with them. So you can eventually check that out on our YouTube, but they said that it is clearly inspired by killer queen, but they want to make it a little simpler. And I could see this popping up on, on, um, six person arcade cabs, like match next to each other uh, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's, um, yeah, it was really good. Cause you do have a little bit of rock, paper, scissors going on with what you can do. You have to, you know, one class you play as doesn't even have a weapon until you grab the gold and put it in this spot and you get a sword and then you can do this, but you have to kill the captain. You have to sink the ship. Uh, and I think the other one was you have to steal the gold. Um, yeah. But it was a cool, just another cool co-op thing. We were fortunate enough to catch um, our victory on camera and one dude just loving it that he, that he was definitely holding the team, if I recall correctly. And then we got the win at the end there because it was down to, you have like five, uh, essentially five lives each and then we were both of us were down to one life each and we we took it home so it was cool i didn't even notice that we had uh lives i thought it was infinite um oh it was like 
like we have to capture five things. They have to capture five things. So I, oh, I equated yeah, it to yeah, like yeah, the yeah, Smash yeah. Brothers five stock thing. Okay, got it. So yeah, no, but that it, was it fun. Was a good game. It's it's definitely an easier version of Killer Queen. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, just, yeah. just the understanding and getting into it because like in in Killer Queen, it's like everyone's set up like you have your gatherers and then you have your your attackers. Right. Um, so in this one, I think anybody can be a gatherer or an attacker. You just have to pay the gold to buy the sword to go fight people. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not as no, restricted. Cool. So, and I did play Sig Dallas as well. I would say if you're not sold on how uh, Antichrist described it, think of Soma if it was made in like the 16 or 32 bit era and it was a third person game. So that's the atmosphere of it too. But I'm excited for more of that. I thought it was already out. And I, I yesterday I was like, I want to check out more of that game. And it's not even like we played a demo that's not even available yet. So that's the cool thing. Yeah. The packs. Yeah, there were a couple other developers that that said that they were going to put the put the packs demo, you know, make it available. I guess why wouldn't you? Uh, but uh, yeah, so there were some that were just, I guess, packs exclusive and, and not going to be released. So that might have been one of them. Uh Anything else to say on on Friday before we head over uh, to Saturday? Because we had a lot going on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, not in terms of games, but I wanted to mention my surprise guest at lunch real quick. And like half the reason you go to these events, um, it it might. The days are blurring together, so I don't remember what day this actually was. Um, But we had all grabbed some, you know, overly priced con food, sat down to a table that we could find, and you guys wanted to hoof it up to the media room to finish uploading stuff, and I had just started eating, so you're like, just wait, go ahead and finish your food, you know, we'll go up and do this, and so I was sitting there by myself, one dude sat down, and he was like, yeah, seat's not taken, cool, and then another guy sat down, and I wasn't really paying attention, I was just eating, and then I look up, and it's Justin Silverman from Screenwave and, like, Cinemassacre fame, I was like, whoa, holy crap, Justin, I love the stuff you do on Cinemasker and Screenwave, and we were, like, talking about whatever, and he was very, uh, very polite, and he's just like, so what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm here with Megavisions. We, um, we're a physical Sega magazine, and, you know, whip it out again, and, uh, then the guy across from him, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, you guys are just over at our booth. I'm with Dot Emu. We were talking about Turtles. I was like, yeah, we're pumped for that, and then he finishes his lunch, goes away, and Justin's like, so, um, Megavisions, that sounds familiar. I was like, well, we've been at too many games a couple of years. That's kind of our HQ since we're based out of Jersey. He's like, oh, okay. I was like, normally we have, um, you know, Soul Calibur, that game. We replace the controllers with the Fishing Rock controller and we call it Pole Calibur. He's like, oh, that's you guys. Okay. So that for me was like, yeah, recognition for the crazy dumb thing that I've created at our booth. We do. Yeah, so that was cool, and uh, so it was neat. He was just there just to be there. Like, he wasn't there, like, officially as a vendor or anything. He was just kind of there hanging out. Um, But that was pretty cool because he's intelligently taken a step back from the Internet. So he's not done much lately online. So it was neat to, again, someone that I keep up with online to see him just pop up in real life. Uh, And, uh, no, that that was really neat, and that's, like, half the reason you go to these things is you just happen to sit down next to somebody that's doing a thing you're into, and you start to network and start to BS like real human people. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that again, I don't remember exactly what day that happened, but that was neat. <laughs> yeah. I think that was, I think that may have been Friday. I Maybe. can't remember, but I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Everything just kind of melds together. Uh, but I'll say what we did end up doing on Saturday is, uh, we went over to dread XP. I think that's where we may have started 
um, the day off or, or at least that was one we had appointments with. Yeah. We started. Um, there, I, yeah. Yeah. I think anti Chris, you ended up playing, uh, a lot of these games out there, but the big one that we went over there for was, uh, my friendly neighborhood. So why don't you start us off with that one? So my friendly neighborhood, the best way that I can put it is it's resident evil eight in Sesame street. Um, I did not know that I had a phobia of, of puppets until I played this game. Um, Part of that is is half joking, but it is just really, really good, really well done. Um, like everything, your weapon is like this this address book that shoots out little little papers and stuff, and then later on you'll get like your shotgun equivalent, which is just like I want to say it's like almost like a squeegee or um, like a squeegee cartridge that you shoot out and you you hit them with, and then the the puppets will come down and they're just like saying nonsense the entire time but then they 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 see you and it's just like oh give me a hug and then they just keep on like coming down after you and your little pea shooter doesn't do enough damage to it so you're constantly like trying to back away and run and you don't really have like that much of a a run function um so that like they're constantly gaining on you so the entire way that you defend yourself is that after you kind of like knock them down you have to find duct tape and tie them up and then they yeah. just stay there mm. and apparently they can break out of it but they just they just stay there and they don't don't stop talking <laughs> they oh. don't stop talking mm. at all the like the entire time so you had um, headphones on it so i couldn't yeah uh, yeah, yeah absorb yeah. that but it's, yeah it's it's definitely a very um atmospheric game if i don't know if you can even call it atmosphere because like you you feel like something went wrong uh at sesame street where it's like a little bit of nightmare the 13th uh nightmare on elm street i should say or friday the 13th um but no it's it's cool like those puppets will just pop up out of nowhere i had one where it's like the little sewer monster comes out and just takes a giant swipe at you um the puzzles are are how do I say this? Like the puzzles are made to look like they're elementary, but they're not. It, the game definitely respects your your intelligence and in trying to figure out how you're supposed to put things together and move forward. Um, you know, it's it's not it's it. There's like a, a really basic math question, but in order for you to get the math question going, you kind of have to like read between the lines with some of the uh, the cards and the the hints that they give you. Um, so it's really cool and there is a demo out available i'm going to play the full demo later um because it's just it it's really it's a really cool concept because yeah, the other one was dread delusion and that was one that i played it and i kind of remember playing it but it was just so hard to to really get into it because uh there it's it's kind of a a first person RPG, but set to look like a low poly style game and it looks awesome. So I guess if you kind of think of like an old school Morrowind, mm -hmm. um, but just way more kind of esoteric, there's these like floating islands, uh, and it's kind of all interconnected. Uh, and you, there's a lot of like magic based and skill based stuff going on there. Uh, but what can you talk about that? Cause that was a game that for me, I, 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 I visually saw it. I'm like, man, that looks awesome. I like the way it looks. So dread delusion is essentially Morrowind, but like high res, low poly. And it's, it's, it's really the, the approach that the developer, or I should say the, um, the, the publisher, said that the developer was going for was like what if we can get the magic of Morrowind without the archaic 
uh, nonsense in the menus and the the really uh, player unfriendly menu systems that a lot of these older uh, Western RPGs have. Um, it, it was it was very simple and straightforward. Um, in Dread Delusion, you play as an automaton that has about like 15 minutes to live and you can just go around and explore. And the entire idea was like, if you can see it, you can get there with the exception of the sun. And even then, it's just like, if you can, if you can jank your way to the sun, well, congratulations, you made it. And you're probably going to die on the descent down. Um, it's, it's just very, very cool. Uh, a very cool game. It's, I wish that there was a demo available. They do have like some, some gameplay footage from it. Um, but it just feels like Morrowind. It has the magic of Morrowind. Everything is like this, this toxic hue of red and purple. Um, you know, the, the creatures walking around, it's like, they see you and it's just like, it's, it's on. And I shouldn't even say that it's really more like Morrowind. If you're a fan of like Kingsfield, that's what it yes, really yeah. sounds like. Mm-hmm. Kingsfield is, is really more of what it, the, the inspiration is, is gleaning from. Um, that's a game that I wish I, we had more immediately. Unfortunately, development is still like a year out before we'll see anything substantial from it. But that's another one of the games I'm most excited about too. Yeah, that that's a cool one. Uh and and yeah, the the the, the Dread XP booth was was really uh was really interesting. Those those people they kind of showed us some some stuff that they have in the works and they've they've got some pretty exciting things uh in store. It's definitely a publisher that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. My friendly neighborhood looks very good. Dread Delusion is a game that really kind of speaks to me. I, I, that's a game that I'm mm-hmm. going to definitely want to play, but there's more stuff that they have on the way that I think people are going to be excited to, uh, to see. Um, I do really quickly want to, to, to shout out to uh, my, my friends over at mega cat studios. Cause we did go over there. They were showing uh wrestle quest and world championship boxing simulator Two. Of course, mega cat is based out of uh, Pittsburgh, a uh, hometown of Scotty. Yep. Scotty Moe. Uh, but they've mm-hmm. recently uh, released, I think, Bite the Bullet. Before that, there was Coffee Crisis. And my personal favorite is Log Jammers, which is kind of a 2D NES-style, uh, um, kind of like a Windjammer-style game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh, so, I played that with you. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, played yeah, that yeah. a while back. So, yeah, I mean, Mega Cat, they've been around for a long time. Uh, but this was cool because at their booth this year, uh, it was all kind of wrestling and boxing-centric. Uh, and they had Jeff Jarrett... Uh, you know, WWE, WWF, and even WCW, uh, longtime uh, pro wrestler, was out there, and I was so excited to see Jeff Jarrett. And I, I'm such a big pro wrestling fan from back in the day, and I remember we saw him. I think the day day one, I think it was Thursday, and um, I saw him. At, man, I wanted to give him a wolf pack, like too sweet, but I'm like, man, it's COVID. I don't know if he'd go for that. So I just was like, what's up, Double J? And uh, he's like, hey, boys, how you doing? He just seemed like a, a good dude. I was like, man, I love it. Uh, and I was hoping we could set something up and, and do an interview with him. But uh, I guess when we went over there, he wasn't uh, he, he wasn't there. Uh, but we ended up playing WrestleQuest and the game. But I got interviews with, uh, with oh, man, what was his name? Oh, I got it right here. I got to have his card right here. Vinny Lee Glamrock, mm-hmm. who is... A uh, kind of a pro indie wrestler, been around for for uh, for so for quite a while now, 
And uh, he was great. Talked to, did an interview with him along with Andy, who was on the development team over at Mega Cat. But that was that was a lot of fun for me personally. That kind of spoke to my my wrestling, uh, you know, fanboyism there. Uh, but the game itself, WrestleQuest, is is a really cool game. It's it's kind of like a uh, a wrestling RPG, really. Yep. Uh, whereas uh, you kind of take uh, a young wrestler and kind of bring them through the ranks, and you got to do all sorts of things, like in in a, in a match, you you got to do things like keep the uh, the the crowd on your side, and then once if they're in your favor, you'll get kind of like boost to your attacks and things like that. And if they're going the other way, uh, you'll kind of get like debuffed, and and some you know sometimes your opponent can uh, can get more powerful. Uh, but the game looks really cute, real real fun. Uh, I didn't get a chance to really play it for too long. Again, that's kind of a hard game to kind of really dig your teeth into at a at a convention there. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely want to play it more. I, I I like what they got going on with Russell Quest. I think that'll be an interesting game. Another game that wasn't getting a lot of attention, but I think it had a really cool story that I just really quickly want to talk about was World Championship Boxing Simulator Two. Uh, Andy got to talk to me about that one, and it was interesting. I, I guess the original game was released on MS DOS, I think in 1990 or 91. And the publisher, I guess, approached them and and was interested in doing a sequel, and they agreed to it. And I think Andy and some of the other guys uh, were were one of the you know like on the real involved in the design of it. And uh, it's kind of interesting. He was telling me about how they kind of went in and updating, and not not really changing too much of it. But one of the biggest things he was telling me is that in the original game, um, what you're really doing is kind of managing a boxer. Right. You're mm-hmm. kind of like yep. and so you're trying to take him through the ranks as well. And and you got to train him and you got to like uh, make sure he's resting and he's eating and he's doing all these things right. And you're you're scheduling his matches and all these all these different aspects to it. But in the original game, you actually never got to see them box at all. He would just like do the match and that would be it. And then I guess you would find the results and stuff. I mean, considering this is. I guess back in the 90 or 1990 or so. But that was one of the things they added into the sequel. So now, once you see him come in, uh, you get to see how your boxer does. And unfortunately, my 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 guy, uh, I, he was terrible. He sucked. I, I can tell you why he was yeah. terrible. You didn't I, train him for like I, two and a half weeks. Yeah, I trained him and I don't know. I even gave him a rest day. You, you gave him more than just one rest day. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he failed. So... That was that was actually a lot of fun. And Andy was a good man. He he was awesome. He was like actually like in wrestling gear or not wrestling gear, but boxing gear. He had like a the the um yeah, the robe, the robe yeah, and the, the black and guy. He actually told me one of the uh, Pax enforcers thought that he got hit with like because he had the black eye. He's like, no, I'm fine. So he thought someone hit him. Um, yeah. Just pretty make funny. Um, that was great. So shout out to those gut. guys. Yeah. Once again, he punched Scotty. How did that feel? Uh, I'm recovering. Good. That's it. I, I didn't know if it was like, what was worse? Like, uh, getting punched in the gut or some of that, like Pax, uh, lunch food that you were, you're eating there for a little bit. Oh, it was all, it's all, it's all the same ons up in the same place. So we're fine. <laughs> right. Um, the last game we played, uh, I think was demon throttle that on, uh, on Saturday. Do we want to talk about demon throttle? Yeah, that was one that was weird be- or it was we weren't sure how to go into it because it was like a 50 50 shot that the devs were going to be at devolvers booth for any of their games. Uh, 
like at McPixel, I don't think we knew until we walked up and asked and called the lamb. There was no dev for that. Um, and then Demon Throttle, I think we asked the day before and they said, no, the devs are not here. And that, but then day of the devs were there and they're like, oh, they're coming up now. And meanwhile, Pal and I are already playing the game and like getting our butts, butts handed to us. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a top down, uh, like old, like 1984, um, or whatever that the helicopter or jet game is, or, uh, Ikari Warrior something like that, where it's a scrolling what's called a shmup now, but going from top to bottom rather than left to right. And it's a Western demons. I don't know. I was a cowboy. You were a demon lady and vice versa. However, we were playing. And then the devs walked over and they're like, let's put in the, you know, the equivalent to the Konami code so that you guys can actually see the next level. Um, you know, so that was, uh, you did not see the next level. Yeah. I mean, we got, I think even with the Konami code, we didn't, we didn't, you did not. Yeah. But it was still good. It's a it's a fun game. Um, it's still a good time. And those guys were very receptive when we mentioned that we were Sega fans. Uh, and I mentioned Snatcher, and they like lost their crap. Um, and um, we were just talking about that and talking about the game. And you know, that was a very cool experience because we had it started with us BSing with them while we were playing the game, and led to definitely my more comfortable out of my interviews that I did. That was one of the more comfortable ones because they seem more lax. Uh, and just ready to discuss the game that is only getting a physical release uh, that broke Devolver's website the day they announced the pre-orders. Um, so that should be fun. That should be a good time. I'm excited to play more of that game, and I think the interview uh, went well as well. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I think that that might have been kind of our last official uh, interview because Saturday was our our, our main last day. Um, and, and Sunday, I know you went back on Sunday, Scott, why don't you talk about, uh, oh, no, no, wait, before we get going Sunday, we do got to talk about yeah, the you movie were... we went and watched. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the odyssey that was Dread X's booth at the end of Saturday, but that's fine too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we won't talk about that. I, I, no, we were hanging out at the Dread XP booth and, and. Apparently, I, I was hanging out too long. I got to talking. As we I were there for over an hour, to do, and I just walked away at one point. I'm like, I'm gonna go see the rest of the floor. I didn't even say anything to anyone. They were. Sh- I was seeing some like super interesting behind the scenes stuff there. I, I you didn't do anything away. wrong. You didn't do anything I, wrong. Ted and and Cleveland are are class acts. Good people there. Yeah, they're uh, fine. I was just getting. I was. I was getting antsy because I was like, I don't know if we're gonna. I'm not gonna see any more of Pax. I'm just gonna just walk away and get some stuff and see other places. Real yeah, quick, so yeah. see you guys. Um, yeah, no, they're all. I mean, uh, quite literally, everything that Dread XP is putting out, we're interested in some way, shape, or form. So, um, mm. it's exciting to see what's coming out of those guys. And, uh, but yeah, since you know, we wanted to take in more of the Boston color, what did we do Saturday night? Went and saw Sonic 2. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anti Chris hadn't seen it yet, and we're like, what? I mean, what do we get if we have a little bit of time? We, we wanted to do something to kind of unwind because. Honestly, I mean, we we were waking up at like six o'clock every morning, getting over, like leaving by what, like seven or so, yeah, uh, and getting over there right when the media room opened up, so we could get uh, a little dog kennel for uh, to put our backpacks in. And that was our lockers, uh, yeah. And yeah, and I mean, we weren't we didn't leave until well after, uh, you know, the 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 floors had closed for the day, just because we we're doing interviews and recording and stuff. So we were working our butts off the entire time. And we wanted to do something that was a little bit of fun, so we went and saw the Sonic movie. Yeah, we should clarify that there was literally a strip mall behind our hotel 
um, of like, you know, Home Depot and Target and Best Buy and Applebee's and also a movie theater. So it was just it was nicer to be able to do that than 10 minute walk to the T to then take that and get somewhere else. 10 minute walk elsewhere to go downtown and whatever. We're like, we're old and tired and we've done this con stuff for a while. Let's just walk 20 feet to go see Sonic after getting some ramen. Yeah, 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 that was fun. So. Uh, I'll, I'll just throw it to you, Antichrist, because we've already seen it. We were big fans of it. But what were your kind of overall thoughts? No, we're not. <laughs> you are. I thought it was well, just, just another mean, sad thing of jokes and whatever. But go ahead, Antichrist. I just mean, we've already kind of we put our stuff out there. I'm, I'm interested in hearing what Chris has because he hadn't seen it. So right. I want to hear what he has to say. It was very OK. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is a kid's movie, first and foremost. And if anyone tries to argue against that, they're an idiot. Um, it just, it is what it is. This movie is not for the older people, but you can appreciate it from afar. Uh, the last third of the movie was legitimately good when you actually saw our, our boys actually doing their thing. That was actually, that was like really, really well done. Um, in fact, it's like the, the thirds just progressively got better. So like the first third of the movie, I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> like it's it's just a bunch of people and talking, and they they give him the the Uncle Ben talk and shit like that. Uh, from there, it's like starting to ease into like the the Sonic Three Ice Cap Zone type deal, where it's like, oh, we gotta we gotta go through the the um what is it like the the Temple of the Owl to find like this this non Sonic compass, which is mm-hmm. just like okay, fine, it's it's. It's almost like they try to take a little piece out of the Archie comics to make it apply into the Sonic universe. That was fine. The the movie was was starting to heat up by then. Um, my my complaint is is that the very first third of the movie feels very Deus Ex Machina, where it's just like I'm Tails. I came from another fuck another dimension. Uh, I've been watching you. And you're just like, what do you mean you've been watching me? It's like I've been watching you do all these things. There is a threat coming. Okay, cool. Um, but outside of that, it's it's fine. I, I would say yeah. that it's it's mildly better than the first movie, which the first movie I didn't mind at all either. So yeah, it's going to be interesting how this movie will ultimately be remembered because we have to keep in mind this is the 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 second of three. You know, it's and and typically yeah. you know the the middle of a trilogy is kind of viewed as the weakest. So. It'll be interesting to see if if that third movie uh, can really kind of like uh, put a stamp on the series and and hope uh, you know hope that we'll launch it to you know even more you know the Sonic mm-hmm. universe or whatever. But I, I think it I think it ended on you know obviously we won't say spoilers or anything, but I think it ended on something that um, at least for me gets me interested in watching the, the third movie. And so I, I'm all in, you know, at this point, I'm going to watch it. I it, Being that, you know, of course it is just a kid's movie and keeping that in mind, but I, I had fun with it. It was fun. I, I legitimately enjoyed like the last third. And if they can just yeah. focus on doing things that we saw in that last portion of the movie, they'll be fine. Yep. Yeah. Scott, do you want to uh, give a uh, just quick uh, recap or thoughts overall on, on the movie? Um, uh, I never thought I would smirk at a Sonic 06 reference, but I did. Uh, <laughs> and there are there are things in there that are good. Uh, and I just don't want any humans 
anymore, except for Robotnik yeah. in these movies. I, I mean, really don't. For for the most part, in all of these type of movies, like the humans are, are typically the the weakest aspect of it, uh, yep. and and they're kind of like just the throw in and stuff. So I get it. Um, I totally yeah. get that. But it um, was loud. That theater was oh freaking yeah. loud. What the hell? I they, I think they had it on like all the way up. They're just like yeah all the house to the level i i would i i went to the restroom a couple times during it and i could feel the movie still happening through the wall next to me <laughs> i don't know why they were trying like, to give us that 4d experience i guess they're like oh mega visions is here we got to give them the best that's what they were thinking that's hilarious it um so uh overall just last last Thoughts on Paxis, the whole experience. We'll go around the room. Uh, Anti-Chris, once again, it's it's your first one. What did you think overall? I had a great time. I, I thought it was I thought it was awesome. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that uh, you know. I I shouldn't say like the only disappointments that I had was like either not seeing a booth or certain games that you know that I played that I expected more from. You know. Um, Trek to Yomi was was unfortunate. Uh, Iunion Chronicles Rising, we didn't talk about that, but that was a huge letdown. I don't even think it's like the game necessarily that was a letdown. I just think that was the presentation of the demo, where it's just like, oh, here's like the first part of the game, and it's like the most boring portion of the game that's being presented. You know, the con itself was great, or I should say, the event itself was great, but like, it was more of like you know missing out on certain things that's it that's fair uh scotty what about you uh i think that with keeping in mind what you just said antichrist maybe you guys should have stayed for sunday to have no appointments and just walk around and see stuff because that's kind of what i did for a couple hours before i had to catch my flight um and uh i did end up buying a little bit of things here and there and i really i enjoyed mega 64's panel it's not a pax for me without their panel and then i approached their booth bought a shirt that i'm wearing now and i told them about the magazine and some of them were genuinely pumped for that and also complimented me on my tattoos so it's like well that's you guys are awesome now and not that you weren't before um and might have accidentally ended up in their latest podcast with the magazine so that's cool but that was just another happy accident that happens when you're at a you know not even trying to network i just wanted to give them an issue um and so that was a lot of fun and it was cool getting pictures of people with the magazine a lot of those are going to pop up uh later on um but I would say overall pro tip for anyone that's never been to PAX, do not go on only Saturday because you will not see nearly enough of what you expect. Uh, that's just that's the day for lines and not the day for playing anything. Um, go plan on going at least two days or a day and a half. You know, um, this is a four day convention. Uh, God bless the vendors who are running their booths for four days because the, oh, the I floor could, I was, is open 10 I to 6 every day. Thinking about Sunday, like what it right. must have, they must have felt like on Sunday. Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, but that that's my pro tip. Don't go just Saturday. Go go. Maybe go Saturday because you will see the full. That was the only day that sold out this year um, in terms of their passes or tickets or whatever. But plan to go another day or another half day as well. Um, so you can actually see a little bit of everything or parts of what you want to see. Um, but no, it was fun. I'm glad I went. Uh, and uh, hopefully they're just going to keep going. And it's the first of many bigger conventions coming back. 
So I think it was a good time. I think it was worth definitely worth Megavision's time because we made some friends and we got some stuff coming up and it was good overall. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely uh, definitely worth our time for sure. Uh, I, I think the big thing for me is I, I think it showed that there is 100% a place and a need for like physical industry events that developers and publishers can bring and show uh, their games and have, you know, real people come in and play them and have that interaction, that face-to-face -face interaction, have, you know, that instant feedback, uh, you know, on a game. Uh, I, I, I think that you, you're never going to be able to replicate that by having these just like online only conventions and shows like that. So for me, I was more, I guess, optimistic than ever about the future of PAX and I guess the future of just industry uh, physical industry shows going forward. I think they did a very good job of of everyone was masked, everyone had to be vaccinated, uh, you know, and and everyone I think just did an overall good job of just keeping their distance or whatever else it was. Everyone I think just did a good job, and I think at least from my perspective, the the event ran without a hitch. Uh, mm. I think they did a very good job for that. So kudos to them, kudos to the the people that ran that, organized, and everyone that was you know took part in. And just putting it together because it was a blast for me. And I'm just glad that, that this event's back rolling again. I feel like the industry is like getting back, you know, to, to, to normal as much as it can be. So, hell yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, just get more bands. There just needed to be a little bit more music. But otherwise, it was good overall. Yeah. And it'll be and hopefully, you know, next year they'll be able to, you know, growing and, and it'll get back to to hopefully closer to what that was before. But yeah, this was kind of our, our, our PAX talk. Man, I'm glad it's over. Uh, I had a blast, but it, it is good to, to finally relax and just get some rest because, man, we had been on our feet. I, I, I did go against Scotty's, uh, you know, um, good advice to uh, to not wear and try to break in brand new shoes uh, at the day of a convention. But I did it anyway, and I'm sporting a couple couple blisters on my toes. So I'm still dealing with that. But overall, great event. I had a blast, guys. So, yeah. Here's to more. We got plenty coming yep. up. Yeah, and like I said, once again, be sure to uh, check out our YouTube channel uh, over at www.youtube.com slash C slash Megavisions Mag, where you can watch all of our PAX East coverage. And beyond that, uh, like what we, we, we mentioned uh, issue two several times, we, ha we brought those with us uh, to PAX. But if you're listening and you want to get your hands on issue two and you haven't already joined our Patreon, you can head over... I'm sorry, megavisions.net and click the shop button at the top of the page and then you can go and, and purchase issue one and issue two, which just came out uh, here recently. Uh, I think that's going to wrap things up, guys. Once again, thanks for joining the show. We survived packs. Maybe not next year. Wild Bills. <laughs>